Hutton Orbital isn't exactly famous for being a quiet place where meditation is encouraged. Partly because we want to keep the Mad Monks of Barnard Star as far away as possible. But mostly because the, the combined noises of Van Tien's cries of Bugger! I've got red on me! And it's not tomato flavoured! And Mia's attempt to get into the Guinness Book of Galactic Records with the highest number of times you can nut a microphone during a broadcast. Amelia's warm-ups for her end-of-show battle cry. Flossie's pan-throwing exercises in order to be able to catch the miscreants who are out of arm's reach. And the various bodily gurglings that are wont to occur when you've got a diet as poorly organised as this lot. Well, with all of that, it's usually hard to hear yourself think. So we don't bother. Thinking, that is. All of that's changed this week. Rudolf Hooker's abandoned ship again. Now, one week back in the studio and he's got to go for a lie down. No stamina, some people. And Mia's watching little teeny wisps of smoke curl gently upwards from the mangled remains of her computer. Which seems like an over-the-top way of stopping the police from checking your browser history, if you ask me, but who am I to judge? So, let's take advantage of their absence. We'll set the end-of-show alarm to an hour earlier, send a message to Sandrine to pick a movie for later on, and we'll get this week's loads of delightful and terribly informative... No, really, we are terrible at informing. Nonsense out of Studio 5 and into your brains, where it'll no doubt lodge like a tuneless earworm until the megagin is opened. It only remains for me to ask, what state are the mics in, Wilma? Our mics are live! Good evening, I'm Wilma Fingerdo, and I believe that practice makes perfect. I'm Juan Karen, that must make me the perfect gin delivery system. I'm Norma Snockers, and I thought that was a martini glass. I'm Sandy Crevice, and I don't care how my gin's delivered, as long as it gets to me ready to drink. Quick, play the headlines before he starts drinking one stock. Insightful, incisive investigations into an internescine invasion induces apologetic absence. Are we in or are we out? And more to the point, why? Too hot, too messy goes into six figures. Time to see who's hot and who's not. As ever, Hutton Orbital News likes to be at the heart of the story, at the forefront of the breaking headlines, and, in some cases, though we do try to avoid it, the subject of our very own incisive investigative reportage. To that end, Hutton's apology officer, Mia Harkness, has put on the hard hat with press written on top of it, which has led to a number of incidents where people think they're very funny and take the instructions literally and headed out to the rescue megaships for some Vox Pops, some Top Shots, and of course, some headlines from the latest developments in the Thargoid conflict. With the combat side of the war itself safely in the bag, for the time being, until Tharg the Mighty releases some mighty new minions on the universe with even more Tharg-launched thuckers, and big bad beams to zap commanders into the middle of next week, our focus has turned to the rescue operations. Hutton aren't strangers to rescuing people from burning stations, ignoring their pleas for a diversion to buy a pot plant, or pick up some booze, and dumping them on a waiting megaship. Or to station repairs. But the latest rescue operation involved kidnapped pilots, people and persons who have been kept incarcerated in the Titans at the heart of the Maelstroms. Using the latest in technologies, we've not only spotted that the captured civilians are being held on the Titans for some unknown reason, Tharg the Mighty has been keeping them incredibly close to the surface, and easily accessible to anyone with a crowbar, a few explosives, a big spoon, or some funky CG reward technology. The Apology Officer isn't interested in the actual mechanics of the rescues, 
but is very interested in the rescuees. With the operation now having grumbled along for a not insignificant period, and the effect of the Thargoid War even more pronounced than poking aside with a probinator before running away giggling, concerns are that we've heard nothing from the people being rescued. Normally, anyone involved in an alien abduction makes their first call not to a doctor to work out what those green things are on their skin, nor to the authorities to help give valuable intel to their captivity, but to the Red Tops. The galactic salacious news outlets are eager for tales of probing, or alien life, or whether your cat was kidnapped as well, and what, and what it now does when the lights go out. But, to date, there's a stony silence. No tales of where they were kept? Do Thargoid prisons have bars? What does the porridge taste like? Was there probing? And where did they do it? Get your mind out of the gutter. We meant was it in a lab on a metal table or just while quibbling on the floor of a dank, squidgy, slightly green cell? Were the captives conscious throughout? Did they see a Thargoid? In person? Can they tell the Hutton sketch artist what one looks like? So we could do one of those courtroom-style drawings that makes President Hudson look like a slightly hairy potato. And what's more, there's no word from Canon Interstellar, or the rest of the science community, the reputable half, as to whether the captives were impregnated, infected, or otherwise thoroughly interfered with by the Thargoids. Are the megaships a subtle way for Tharg to extract his, or her, or their, mighty revenge on humanity, by giving everyone the Thargoid equivalent of a rather nasty strain of Lurgy, in an attempt to, whip out, to wipe out humanity. This and much more information will be coming soon, once the apology officer returns, passes quarantine, and they stop screaming. Do we sound suspicious that this was all too easy? Well, yeah. The captives weren't exactly kept in the Xeno equivalent of Colditz, or The Rock. They might as well have spacewalked on their own, of their own volition. And that is very suspicious. We smell a cover-up of a scale not since Madonna's latest tour and attempting to convince the galaxy that yes, it is her natural look and no, she hasn't applied it with a trowel or surgery. Whilst detailed information on doing the do and what the do is in Hutton Space always forms part of the BGS report at the end of this bulletin, Sometimes it's important to look at the why and what of particular events in the galaxy. We turn the Hutton roving eye towards one of the wolves, more particularly Wolf 629. We didn't do it deliberately, mind. It, it's one of those things. Someone got a little expansive in one of our other systems. We turned up there as a minor faction and were minding our own business. And then someone put us on the ballot paper. Before we go into the who of our opposition, we'll look at the system itself. A relatively small system, think the naughty step plus a little bit. It's an agricultural economy with a side order of refining things, with a population of 50,671. None of the planets warrant a proper name. They've all got exciting numbers like one and two and 2D. Uh, actually, it's all ice planets and gas giants. Okay, why are we in an election to own this place? It sounds like Space Swindon to me. Do we really want Space Swindon? Or possibly Telford? Maybe Milton Keynes, but, but smaller. However, it's owned by the Dark Wheel. Now, if you don't know who they are, then, well, you've not been boning up on your recent history of space, the bubble, the Thargoids, and mysterious forces behind the powers that be. The Dark Wheel, that organisation mentioned in whispered tones alongside names like Raxler and Jameson and Ryder, the kind of organisation that has a funny handshake and an initiation ritual and a secret headquarters and likes to wear black and maybe a little insignia. The kind of place that has a big imposing front door and a scary doorman that insists on a dress code. Anyway, they expanded a couple of years ago with the help of pilots who weren't in the Dark Wheel, but bought into their philosophy. Uh, there were Gullweb and social media rumours that if the Dark Wheel expanded into Seoul, then a magic gate would open and pilots would be heralded to Raxla by a herd of space unicorns. 
Now, we tried telling them that it was impossible to expand into Seoul. We, we tried. We, we did it once accidentally and, and we broke the entire universe, which is how we expanded in the funny way we did and ended up in Wolf 359. Did they listen or did they hack? So they got nearby, having trampled on a number of other factions en route and uh, nothing. So much nothing that they got a little upset. Nothing has been heard from them for a long while, and as it was uh, before this expansion, as it was before this expansion, they've gone back to being secretive and hiding. As such, the locals appear to have got fed up of not having local councillors to moan at about the state of the potholes in the roads or parking, or who's responsible for picking up the pieces of all the smashed ships. And as such, with Hutton's arrival, they petitioned Alvin to take the ball and run with it. <laughs> Which, of course, he loves, especially if someone's chasing him and they want their ball back. So, Wolf 629. Um, it's boring as heck. It's like Space Belgium, just without the beer or chocolate. But they love us, so we'll do the do. After 62 weeks, or 14 months... Too hot, too messy, the Hutton-led initiative to deliver a Hutton mug and megagin which, with which to fill it to all stations in the galaxy is a mere smidge of a natch crotchet away from 100,000 mug deliveries. The four weekly average is creeping back up above 1,000 per week and after a lean spell over the summer. But we will see the 100,000th mug delivered during the show. Commander Chicks is still leading the delivery table with over 16,600 mugs delivered. Some say that is delivered to one in six of all mugs. Waller 81 is in second place with over 14,400 deliveries ahead of NEMB in the third with over 7,600. Of course, we all know all this because it's tracked by the marvel that is the Hutton Helper and updated live on the Hot Too Hot Too Messy event page at hot.forthemug.com slash hot underscore mess underscore two. Traffic is moderate at Hutton this week, but you should be able to get parked on the small pads without any delays. Gin production was reported to be rationed to 14 tonnes per visit which is average. Medium ships may have to be patient though, and large ships should have checked the size, the size of Hutton before they left. The Hutton run times were, the Burke, two runs, one hour, 23 minutes, 19 seconds. Norbert Patternard, one hour, 23 minutes, 50 seconds. And Uber Dave, five, nine, nine, three, three runs, one hour, 24 minutes, 31 seconds. Things are still generally not too bad or kind of alright or fair to middling, whatever the hell that means, in Hutton Space this week. No fewer than five systems are on the naughty step with one particularly low and we have two systems in need of some trucking assistance. More on those stories coming up. Following Hutton's narrow 4-3 victory two weeks ago, the factions in Ross 671 appear to have developed something of a taste for squabbling. Two days ago, the other six were paired off against each other in some war, civil or otherwise, leaving Hutton to be peaceable and the odd one out. Presently, four of them are still at it, leaving Hutton on a paltry 23 points, securing this week's wooden spoon by some margin. Ross 671 Interstellar, the victor of the other war, is in now in second place, just five points behind Hutton. The other two conflicts will lock up all but a fifth of sixth influence until early next week, so don't be surprised if we get challenged for control. Barnard Star managed to sort out its infrastructure failure fairly quickly this week, but lost four points in doing so, leaving it on 31. Most of the other factions are still seeing famine and civil unrest, and there is a brief window to boost Hutton's influence before an election starts in a day or so. Stein 2051 joins 36 off Yuki on 34, and annoyingly each have a civil war, tying up a quarter or so of the influence. Lastly, Epsilon Eridani has slipped to 39, but with all the other crap going on, no one will notice. 
probably. An infrastructure failure has taken systems offline in Wolf 359, which is a shame, as it's our go-to system for power generators and water purifiers. A good alternative for these commodities is Velasquez Gateway in Wolf 1481, so stock up and ship them into the large pads in Powell High and Low Mass Orbiter. In our home system of Alpha Centauri, the poor security situation of several months, um, which was suppressing Centauri Megagene production, has been taken advantage of by terrorists and the system is now under terrorist attack. Clean out the pirates and terrorists by taking suitable missions and hand in any Hutton bounties and redeem combat bonds in Alpha Centauri. The large pad surface stations are still mostly offline, so take the restore missions to bring them back online and secure the system. At the overachieving end of the Hutton Systems table, we have six systems above 60%, half of which are over 70. Expect expansions. Priorities this week are if you want to truck something, relieve the infrastructure failure in Wolf 359, and if you want to shoot something, take suitable missions and vaporize some criminals, hand in Hutton bounties and combat bonds in Alpha Centauri. Well, dare I say that was quite seamless. Yeah. Seamless. Seamless. Yeah, seamless. Did we have a frontier, 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 frontier live stream this week? No, no it's, it's next been week, isn't moved it? again. Not. It's not. It's been moved again. Oh God! <laughs> God! It's God. now on the twenty-fourth. Twenty-fourth. It's like the stationary cabinet at work. It was always I think moving we'll around. Have to get the update in first. Let's <clears throat> wow. get over the update and then. I'll There's be... an update. Yes. Why is oh. it not in the script? Oh. Oh, I don't know. But what, it'll be on which Monday. Update it's, on, is this? it's on Monday, seventeen. Oh my lord! Is it a big update? Big enough, I think. Yeah. Is it seventeen? Update yep, seventeen. It's, it's update on seventeen the on the sixteenth. Yeah. Because right. obviously it would be far too confusing to have some numbers match and, uh, up. Apparently the details of it will be released tomorrow. The On the, notes 13th, of the update. Yeah. Friday the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> Is it a large enough update to warrant backing up your controls? Always. I don't, no, I never mm. do. Always. So this is a little Always. reminder to everyone out there, back up your controls. Is it is it a big enough update not to go and visit your place that doesn't have like really super fast broadband sorry i'm going anyway right <laughs> dun, dun, dun. so we have dun, 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 space news well yeah, I, I was gonna say shall we, shall we explain we're a little bit light on the ground today aren't we? we are and, yeah uh, numbers are but we do have a lot no, of space are not news what we're good at you see so no yeah we do have an awful lot of space news. Yeah, like extra, Dave, extra space news. Yeah, Dave's had to go for a lie down because one entire show of working with us lunatics has uh, just been too much for him. So he's, uh, he's in a darkened room and weeping softly. It, it's because I made him shout for the mug at the end of the show, wasn't it? It probably didn't help. <laughs> and uh, Mia has unfortunately tried to deep fry and batter her docking computer. So um, As you do. And we we assume that's why there's smoke coming out the back of it anyway. So that, that's a normal thing for the Scottish. It's probably yeah. just as well that um, that hard drive died, given what's probably on it. <laughs> well, it was your old one, wasn't it? It so. was my old one. <laughs> all, all that um, that uh, battleship porn. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yes. It's uh, lots of grey. Yeah. <laughs> all those eight-inch guns. Six. Well, six eight-inch guns. <laughs> Twelve. <laughs> breach loading mark twenty-three. Go I on. I don't want to know about your breach loading. <laughs> Load my breaches. Um, go on. Who's who's gonna who's gonna talk about? Well, go on. That's definitely I've got got you written all over it, Amelia. Uh, that wasn't me. Oh, I, I, mine, that one. I didn't write over anything. Yep. Yeah. NASA are proud to announce that they have built a brand new outdoor exterior external litter tray that's just about big enough for Mooncake. 
Look at the size of it. That's actually quite small for a um, an assault for course a for a moon rover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's it's a moon and Mars rover sandbox, so they can uh, they can experiment with all sorts of weird terrain and different uh, ground textures and slope angles and stuff like that, and, and why, see how why it performs. Why is this news? Because they must have about four of these already. Do you remember the time? Because um, it's because it's new and it's big and it's snazzy. It's not that big. You remember the time Brian Cox laid down in front of the the, the Earth-based Curiosity? Was it Perseverance or Curiosity? I can't remember. But basically a one-ton rover. And it sort of figured out there was an obstacle in front of it and it drove round him. That was huge. So is this. This looks like an alpine garden without the plants. It, Absolutely. I got to admit, I, I, thought, I thought it would be bigger. It's uh, well, there's there's no banana in it, so it's hard to judge the scale. That is fair. true, yeah. Yeah, they're very true, yes. Yeah. What's yeah. that? Uh, is that the end of a um a HB pencil sticking out in the middle there, or is that uh, that something else? It's is a that two a lawn it's, meant, it's meant to be the hard area, right? Okay. It's something like 150 meters square, or ridiculous like that. So it is actually fairly large. Is that um, like a lawn light that you see in the middle there? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is it during No, it's sub- an HP pencil. <laughs> it does look like an HP pencil. It's like a UNC thread. Right. Yes. So they've built a space park for the space robots to play in. Yes. Yeah. And Mooncake's co-opted it. <laughs> yeah, don't just don't go digging too much in the uh, in the grit. She she would love that. She'd go nuts. Yeah, we wouldn't. The bane of many a gardener. Mm-hmm. Confused cats. <laughs> no, that's a flower box, not a litter tray. So you could plant tomatoes all the way along that, that fence could, there. Or potatoes. Potatoes, yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, mm. Let's call the whole thing off. You could plant tomatoes instead. Um. So why can't Americans spell Zodiac? Um, I don't know. Why can't Americans spell Zodiac? Because they spell it with an X. What? Yeah. The Zodiac suborbital vehicle has resumed flight testing. Oh. Or should that be the Xodiac? Xodiac. Xodiac. It it sounds like, you know, one of those adverts when you're in the States and all of a sudden an advert cuts into the middle of the film. Use Zodiac, you know. Suppose best it's... suppository pilot in this <laughs> that looks like a very painful but probably self-propelled probinator from your local pharmacy um, direct to you <laughs> rocket propelled probinator I see a, I see the future of this and it's a crane on its back having <laughs> 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 seen many cranes on their back what is that? Because it rolled over laughing. Well, hmm. That's, uh... Anyway, what's it... tell us about this thing. What does it do? Is it... Otherwise, it isn't space news. It's space curiosity, and we already have one of those. Read the article. Well, you... come on, tell us about it. So I, so I don't have article. to. Astrobotic ah, right. announced that it completed the first campaign of test flights by Zodiac. Zodiac. A vertical takeoff, vertical landing vehicle, since acquiring it and other Maston space system assets last year. But what's it for? It. Well, let me have a look. I will find out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Apparently, it was built several years ago in Maston Space Systems, based in Mojave. Um, Don't you love it when you read the slides out? Yeah. (laughs) Next slide, please. Propulsion test. Propulsion testing. What's the point of it? Propulsion testing. I just answered. Oh, I see. Well, okay. That's that's great. What's next? It's <laughs> <laughs> charming. You missed the best quote in it. We're pretty much back to flying it, doing maintenance, flying it, and doing maintenance again. I right. Mean, how much more info do you need from an article? I've all, than but that? I've already got a hobby. <laughs> Yeah, but that paint doesn't dry itself. You need to watch it carefully. Yeah, it's true, very true. Depends what it is. It's uh, yeah. the primer I'm using at the moment. Christ, 
goes if, off in the, in the on the roller. It feels kind of alien to tell you what a bit of space news is about because normally you know it all. Well, I didn't bother reading pre-reading these articles. I I did put the last two in because I thought that would be the space news. But <laughs> clearly, you've been you you've scraped the barrel much harder than I did. <laughs> You, you 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 can blame somebody who isn't present today for these two, for this ah, one and the next ah, one. Ah, right. No names mentioned. Yeah. Does it? Even... Or should or should there be no numbers mentioned? Does it does it involve Kentucky Fried Hard Drive? No. No. Ah, the other one. The other one. The other one. <laughs> There's still no numbers mentioned. Yes. I, I think somebody saw think the misspelling it... of Zodiac and thought it was worth a mention. Yes. Anyway. Azerbaijan is in space. Azerbaijan signs in up space. to <laughs> signs up to China's international moon base project. Ooh, it's a really pretty picture on this. Very, very artist's impression. Yeah, in their pastels, I think. But uh, kind of cool. Are you looking at the same article I'm looking? At? <laughs> well, it's yeah, but look at all the pretty space windmills. Oh right. Oh. You talk oh, about this one. The comments. That's space windmills. Um, space windmills. It's a line of space windmills. And uh, space crabs, all tied together with bits of string. Yeah, but it's space string because it's blue and glowy. Yes. And I love the way they've got the visible wireless as well. But they get the. <laughs> it's like over level graphic design, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> now, what are those. What are those red and white space cows joined up with? No, they're the space crabs. Yeah, the space are crabs. They? Well, they've are got they six clangers legs. So. joined up with blue string. And just below that, they have got a little diagram pointing to a hole that says there's a snake that lives in that hole. Oh, God. Right. That's uh, swallowing a torch. <laughs> China's really? But yes, Azerbaijan has joined the Chinese International Lunar Research Programme. So they will be signing up as charter members of the Space Base Project from China. Have you noticed how many radioactive symbols they shoved around this image? They're like everywhere. That's Little radi- radiation. Yeah, <laughs> radiation symbols everywhere. From a distance, that looks like the old uh, Dog's Trust logo. <laughs> Dog's Trust who? Very few people when they've been abandoned. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, but, um, right. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting picture, that one. So, yeah, uh, the Chinese have got some additional um, helpers for their space program. And they're lasering they are, the Earth. I'm sure they're thrilled. Yeah, that as well. Well, they're, they're planning to have a permanent base by twen- sometime in the 2030s, so it's it's not far away. What, by and half the state? The relays. It's going to be 28 minutes ago. Yeah, oh, that's the one. Um, that, that's not long at all. They expect well, at least to have it's competition for Artemis. Hmm. Hmm. Artemis, the one that will be landing there real soon. Honest. Hmm. TM. Hmm. <laughs> TM, check back frequently. Well, Artemis 2 mission should be going up relatively soon now. I mean, sometime in the next year, we should be orbiting the moon again. We with hope. people. We hope. It's pretty it, good chance. It will be point. nice because we haven't been there for a while. We'll have to drag uh, Bill Anders and Jim Lovell out to uh, to show them how it's done. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to bring back any more rocks. Are they landing? Well, no, not this time. Ah. The whole the next two articles are all about bringing back rocks. Oh, okay. Yes, but not from the moon. Not from the moon. Ooh. It's not the same if they're not from the moon. You can't get moon rocks from anywhere else. <laughs> That's true. Blackpool. Yeah, actually, actually technically, we, yeah. we can get moon rocks. We already have moon rocks. There's like a couple hundred of them on planet Earth. They were given out to all, like, uh, um, I well, mean... Well, still... I think it's about two-thirds of what was brought back is still in storage. It's never been looked at. Right, hmm. but there's a lot of them that are just yeah, like unaccounted a, for. and Like 300 kilos or something. It's like a third of a ton of rocks brought back. Yeah, you can even buy paintings with moon dust. Hmm. Apparently. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, Osiris Rex. Yeah. So this, um, do you remember this? This came back a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Sort of landed in the, uh, the Utah yeah, desert somewhere. Yeah. Well, they've now opened it up. Have they? Have they not watched the Andromeda strain? Anyway, um, 
Yes, but they used a better glove box. <laughs> and, and no flashy red lights for the people that were um, photosensitive epileptic. Oh, yeah, the... Uh, Who's that? can't remember her name now um no but anyway they're very excited about it they said um basically it's it's full of carbon or it's got lots of carbon it's about five percent carbon by weight which is higher than they were expecting yep and it's got lots of water obviously frozen in it but it's it's pretty much consistent with what the astronomical observations uh, suggested it would be so and how much did they get oh god 250 grams i think it is isn't it mm-hmm um, not very much, but more than enough for want to... Uh... Oh, there you go. There's that, the story. That guy looks sad. Quite... He was hoping for 275 grams. Mm. Well, I think more than enough. But yes, some... more, more than they were expecting to get, actually. And in fact, yesterday, the next um, sort of... Not the next, but another space recovery mission... Um, it's not space recovery. It's it's designed to go and look at asteroids with the potential of some future recovery. Um, should have gone off yesterday, but they've got a, a window of quite a few days. They called it off again today, and it's currently scheduled for tomorrow afternoon. That's the Psyche um, mission, which is the next story. It's going up on uh, Falcon Heavy. Is it pronounced Bennu? Bennu is the asteroid that yeah. the sample that came back a couple of weeks ago came from. And there's the it's size big. comparison next yeah, to the Empire State Building and the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. You wouldn't want that on your toe, would you? But is it tastier than Barrow in Furnace Bus Depot? Chew it. Yes. Even chewier than a 16. Was it 16 yeah. story block of flats? Actually, the, the actual sample recovery from Bennu was, was nearly a bit of an oops because they, they were expecting it to be kind of a rock, a great big slab of rock in space. So they built this thing that was designed to be able to scrape a sample off the end of the rock by running into it and hmm. blasting any loose material into, well, into the air, for want of a better term, hmm. into non-contact so that it could be slurped in and catch just a little tiny bit. When the sample arm hit Bennu, it sank into it more than half the size of the spacecraft. So it took a big and, bite. And if they hadn't been able to fire the, the retro thrusters to slow it down and reverse it, <laughs> they were probably going to lose the spacecraft in the asteroid. <laughs> Turns out it's not so much a great big rock as a great big pile of gravel. Well, it's kind of what you'd expect, really, isn't it, with bugger all gravity? Yeah, it's just this heap of rubble in space yeah, that happens to be clumping together for warmth sort of and comfort. Half a kilometre of rubble flying in close formation. Mm -hmm. You see that image there with the, when they opened the sample canister um, black dust coated all surfaces. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because when they first pulled away from it with a sample container that was designed to get a few tens of grams maybe a hundred or so it was overflowing. Literally, they couldn't get the doors on it to close because there was rock stuck in it because it was absolutely stuffed full. They had to back away and open and close the sample container a couple of times to get it to actually shut. Have you, you ever cleaned out the fireplace when there's an easterly blowing? Have you ever tried cleaning out a vacuum cleaner when somebody forgot to put a bag in it? Oh, no. Ah, well, if you had a vacuum cleaner that doesn't need bags, you'd be laughing. Mm-hmm. But that that that's the sort of yeah. thing we're talking about here. Yeah. There was an excess of Bennu material. So, There's yeah, a joke in there, was... there somewhere, but I can't quite make it. Hmm. So this the is next interesting one... read. Mm. Yeah. So the next one is I was just talking about is the psyche mission it might go up tomorrow it's currently currently scheduled uh, tomorrow morning uh, tomorrow afternoon uk time next slide please and psyche will go and it's basically an observation mission so they'll go and uh, look at a psyche um, asteroid uh, psyche 16 and this thing is so is psyche the name of the mission or the name of the asteroid yes both so the spacecraft is called Psyche, and it's going to look at the Psyche asteroid, Psyche 16. Um, and it's, 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 well, 
what else are you going to, you know, it, it, I think they, the, you know, the acronym OMATIC probably failed on this one. You know, they normally come up with a ridiculous acronym and then backfit it into what they want the mission to do. So mm. there you go. So it's, it's, it's basically um, topography, magnetometer, uh, magnetometer survey, and they basically want to map this thing. Um, and they think it's somewhere, I think, is it 30 to 60% metal? Yeah. Um, amongst other things, nickel and cobalt. And Unlike have, Benin, which we have is a picture of the craft there. Carbonaceous crap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Pretty. But if you, <laughs> if you were to recover the whole of this thing, which is not the purpose of the mission at all, we're not going to try and bring this thing down. But in future, we might, if any of you uh, like the expanse and space mining. I know you love space mining, Amelia. Oh, I um, do. But have you seen the number of of what the materials would be worth at current market prices? It's it's nearly enough to buy a fleet carrier. Yes, Jeez. it's just it's nearly as much as the number of mugs you've delivered. <gasps> <laughs> it's ten billion billion. So it's ten quintillion uh, dollars. This, this asteroid is 10, worth thousand, 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 thousand million. Yeah. So if somebody could, you know, deliver it somewhere and not wipe it out the dinosaurs in the process. Yeah. And also not crash the market for the various metals involved. Well, bring the price down. Uh, be, you might even be able to afford an electric car by then. But yeah. uh, there, 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 there is actually an adage in the space industry, though, that the, the most reliable way to lose $10 million is to set up an asteroid mining company. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the book I read once, but they, they had a technology where they, they took chunks off the asteroid and they foamed it so it came back to Earth. It was like a, like a metal foam. Mm -hmm. And they plummeted these things into the Pacific and then ships went along because, of course, they were foam. They were full of, uh, not to say air, but they were full of voids. Vacuum. So these things would pop back to the surface and you just tow them off to like a scrapyard and then chop them up. So there's a Falcon Heavy. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, I think it's 2029 it gets there to... Uh, yeah, it's a long way out. Yeah. It's out in the main belt, isn't it, Psyche? Yeah, it's um, Mars flyby to uh, yeah. pick up speed. But interesting stuff. It's not all about going to the moon. Mm. Nope. Oh, there was the number. <laughs> just saw Flick by. Sorry, the number? Look at the, just look for the it's massive number with, with the dollar sign in front of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. 8.13 quintillion pounds or, or 10 quintillion dollars. Oh, I'm, I'm glad they've converted it from dollars to pounds. It makes such a difference, that 1.87 <laughs> yeah. quintillion that you lose. And, uh, if it's, it's only 8 quintillion instead of 10 quintillion, I'll, I'll have to cancel the second Porsche. <laughs> There's a certain irony, and it's reported by James Round. Is that a rounding error? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Jim. It's round, Jim, but not. Uh... It's anyway. money, Jim, but not as we know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Basically, if we could bring it back, it would effectively crash the entire world's mining economies. Yes. Because after, after suddenly it's blasted a hole in worth anything anymore. Yeah. The, the truth of it is, is that all, all of the minerals on Earth, we only. Um, we give the the value of it, you know. Mm. Um, it's all, it's all, it's us that determines what's uh, expensive and what's not, you know. Uh, yes, no. There are some if, that if are. If you if you had that asteroid's resources delivered cleanly to Earth, then suddenly all those resources wouldn't be worth as much as some of the other resources we already have because we'd have too much of it. Exactly. That's so. What so, what would be worth money? What would be expensive? We'd be giving each other. Like wooden wedding rings, or would we? Or uh... well, I mean, whatever's worth more. You know, iron might be worth yeah. more, or pasta. Well, things that are actually useful are always worth more than things that are completely useless, mm. unless the things that are completely useless are pretty. It's like diamonds. Diamonds are essentially more common than a lot of other gems, but they're worth more because we place that value on them. Uh, mostly because the market is very heavily managed on diamonds to force the price up back through, through Ex artificial scarcity. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. what we. It's the value that we place on that material. But, 
but we can now make synthetic diamonds that are significantly better than natural ones for pretty much any use mm -hmm. and bigger and purer. Yeah, but you want to see cleaner. the look on her face when you give her a, a four and a half inch diamond uh, cutting disc instead of a, a big rock. <laughs> I don't know, I know which I'd rather have. Well, yeah, <laughs> One I, of them's I, I can far imagine more she's disappointed when you slip a four and a half inches chip. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. I've got a nine inch grinder. <laughs> Yeah, but it makes a funny noise when you use it. It does, it does. Lots of sparks. There you go, Volcarius. There's a fact to it. I believe Volcarius. He always, he always... Yes, Volcarius is very knowledgeable. I believe anything he says. He says mm -hmm. all synthetic diamonds have to have no, microscopic no, no. He, serial he numbers. Says, he says that he heard all synthetic diamonds have to have. <laughs> Are you doubting that he heard it? No, I'm sure he heard it because we just said it out loud. Artificial <laughs> roots of the diamond market doesn't die from it. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. It, it, it is actually fairly easy to tell them apart because the synthetic ones are actually significantly purer. I just thought crystalline this, structure, clearer, this crisper, marvelous brighter. image in my head of some guy like on a market stall selling, you know, get your diamonds, come and get your lovely diamonds. <laughs> come on, is it three for a pound, your diamonds? Yeah, three for a pound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, the guy on the market stall with... Uh, the vaccine market stall. He says, you can have your Moderna or you can have three for a Pfizer. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's essentially all the space news we have. Well, it's all the news we have. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, do we have a mug winner this week, Flossie? We, we certainly do. do. Would you like a drum roll? Mm. Yes, please. This week's mug winner is Carl Wilkinson. Oh, congratulations to Carl Wilkinson. If you'd like to contact, I took part at thehuttonarbital.com with your contact details, <laughs> name, address, phone number, and a, a, a screenshot of your cockpit showing your uh, commander name. Then we will get a mug sent to you in due course. And Carl Wilkinson has just lost out to Winnie nineteen seventy four because oh, yeah. if he if Carl Wilkinson had delivered one mug fewer, they would have tied on the fewest number of mugs delivered to get yourself a hot mug. Because Carl <laughs> Wilkinson has thirteen. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, well, obviously ten of them were in the last week. That and was that's a week well spent, us. wasn't it? <laughs> that was half an hour well spent so I mean we do have a word of the week but I don't know how I feel about someone other than Mia reading it what do you guys oh, I, think I, I wouldn't read that word either no <laughs> so, it's, it... I, sp I suppose we could all just watch silently while somebody else read it I just did who did you have in yeah, mind me too. Oh no, nobody. I'm just looking at what the word means and then right. and ta taunting Vulcarius by giving bits of the, <laughs> the definition without the word. <laughs> oh, that's so cruel. Oh, look yeah. at his poor little face in the chat. <laughs> Read it like Atrus. This week, word of the week is. Go on, Flossie, Walk. you can do it. What does that mean? To watch someone silently as they eat, in the hope that you will be invited to join them. Oh, and can you use it in a sentence, please? I couldn't enjoy my... <laughs> Flossie <laughs> couldn't enjoy her McThargoid's meal, as Gusto the Clown was croaking her from outside the window. Well, there you well, go. I'm glad you explained what it meant beforehand. That's that's definitely in the category of words that sound an awful lot ruder than they end up being. Golf Romeo, Oscar Alpha, Kilo. Grok. Grok. Mm. To watch someone silently as they eat in the hope that you'll be invited to join them. Little, 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 little Grey says it's a word to describe Labradors. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm. Isn't that positive retrievers, positive lab results. Mm. <laughs> um, I think the the jokes are definitely Mia's. 
Yeah, the, the yeah. jokes are definitely me's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll leave that to her next week, so so that uh, she can save herself from having to to rack her brain and come up with a new one. That sounds like a good idea because we wouldn't we wouldn't want her running out of jokes. No, and this sure. one's making me hungry, so we need to move on. <laughs> um, so Flossie, are you ready for this week's CG news? Yes, I am. Okay, take it away, Flossie. It's Flossie, it's Flossie, it's Flossie, it's Flossie, and the community goes. Hello, Flossie here with this week's CG News. Last week, CG, the celebrations in Seoul for federal election finished short of tier 3, with 1,287,913 units collected. The top 75% should receive two festive flak launches. Uh, top 50% uh, will receive two, a duty counter paint job for a federal gunship. And the top 25% will receive duty counter paint job for Federal Corvette. I'm never likely to own any of those ships, but never mind. <laughs> uh, as seems to be the norm these days, there is no CG this week, probably due to the update due next week. And that's it for this, C- this week's CG News. Blasi told you what to do. Thank you, Flossie. And now it's time for us all to grog Beetlejuice and Wotherspoon as they digest the news so that we don't have to. Galnet News Digest, 12th of October 3309. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, the people pods free the Matrix sites. And the federal election finally, finally gets underway. Rescuing the pod people helps in the fight to repel the Thargoids, and they have even allowed a number of Barnacle Matrix systems to be cleared, opening up the way to eliminate the Thargoids from all but the eight Maelstrom systems. The research, carried out by Commander Mekan and others, shows that burrowing into the Thargoid Titan motherships and scooping up the humans in their bio-storage capsules, and then turning them in at a rescue megaship, has a noticeable effect on the ability of the Thargoids to fight on the front line in counter-strike systems. Each capsule turned in is the equivalent of one-fifth of a Thargoid tissue sample, which doesn't sound all that great until you realise it has the same effect in all the counter-strike systems. Overall, it has a huge effect, but only if you turn the people pods in to a rescue megaship, not just any old search and rescue contact. Even systems with barnacle matrix sites are affected. In the first week since the subsurface rescue missile became available, at least nine such systems have been cleared of Thargoids, leaving barnacle matrix sites in human control. Although the revenants that continue to patrol their little batch of the liberated systems may disagree. Thousands of pods have been rescued already, but there are millions of captives still held by the Thargoids, Now we know that rescuing them also drives the Thargoids out, the Thargoids could have only weeks left before they have to abandon their attempt to take over the bubble. Only 99 formerly human systems are now Thargoid controlled. In all, Thargoids control 433 systems in the bubble, meaning they have lost control of nearly two-thirds of the systems they once occupied. There are no systems invaded by Thargoids this week. Voting has started in the federal presidential election. 
but Hudson plans to remain in power until at least the start of 3310. The week of celebration came to an abrupt end when Hudson revealed that he'd remain president for the foreseeable future, regardless of whether Winters or Archer is elected to replace him. The delay is apparently to do with an ancient custom that allows enough time for the president-elect to travel from Beagle Point to Seoul in a stock sidewinder, without any assistance from the fuel rats. The four days of election will end on Monday, when the result is expected to be announced. The candidates are Hudson's Vice President Jerome Archer and his running mate Nico Shirakawa, a pair of hardline authoritarian Republicans, and Shadow President Felicia Winters of the Liberal Party, who's chosen to run with the matriarch of the Rochester dynasty, Congressman Isolde Rochester, mother of Congressman Jordan and the disgraced traitor Jupiter. Early indications are that it'll be a close-run race, but Winters remains the favourite to win, at least partly because her face is more widely recognised. Commanders who contributed to the celebrations have not yet been granted their festive flat cannon. In any case, perhaps it's better to wait until Hudson actually leaves office before trying them out. The Empire is watching the federal election with detached interest. Since the Emperor, stung by the failure of Salvation's Proteus wave, adopted an isolationist stance, the Empire has had relatively little interest in federal shenanigans. But the election of a new president, something that only happens every eight or nine years, is worth a look. Cassia Carvalho, writing for the Imperial Herald, says it is not the people of the Empire, but the Senate that is worried about the election. A newly elected federal president who might want to demonstrate their superiority over the Empire right in the middle of the Thargoid invasion would be a concern. With no immediate prospect of the Emperor ending her isolationist policies, there's not much upside for the Empire to a change of leader in the Federation. Senator and Admiral Denton Petraeus said he'd prefer the predictable posturing of Archer over the cunning and deceit of the ostensibly more empire-friendly Winters. Only Princess Ashling Duval could see signs of hope. With her cross-superpower experience at Aegis, Ashling expressed hope that whoever the new president may be, they might break the cycle of escalating tensions between the Empire and Federation. She said that Winters could make a good ally for the Empire. But she expressed misgivings about Winters' running mate, Isolde Rochester, whose son, Jordan, Ashling dated five years ago. But, after all, who gets on with their prospective mother-in-law? And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. Thank you to Beetlejude and Wotherspoon. We hope that all of our groking didn't put you off your digestion, because we still want you to digest it next week so that we still don't have to, because <laughs> that's just hard work. They put a lot of effort in. They really do. All that chewing. Yep. Chew, chew, chew. I'd hate to see, I'd hate to see their, uh, their indigestion tablet, Bill. Oh, it must be skyrocketed. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I think that's essentially everything we have this week yeah you know i mean 54, it's 54 55 minutes roughly uh, yeah it's a, yeah, a reasonable well, length of show when we're missing two presenters yeah um, you can you can go and watch the godfather of the shawshank redemption i know right movie night or hobbit the extended <laughs> version lord of the rings was better much yes hobbit had some fun moments oh lord yeah it was a bit better. of fun I'm surprised they managed to stretch out such a massive amount of movie from such a small story because, you know, The Hobbit in its original the, form the was... Battle of the Five Armies was like five lines in the book. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> they, they really made the best of it. <laughs> they really did. 
I, I, I could have understood them getting two movies out of it, but three was just... Well, they wanted yeah, it to correlate yeah. with The Lord of the Rings, didn't they? They wanted it to be another They wanted it to epic. correlate with enormous money spinners and massive bank balances. Yes. Yes. But uh, sadly, it just it wasn't as good, in my opinion. Too much CG. No. no. But on the plus side, it really did manage to characterise all of the dwarves well, which the book never really managed. Hmm. True. Very true. They actually became a dozen characters but they missed rather out. than... You know, a string of names that were introduced and then ignored. Well, Tom Bombadil was missing completely. I was going to say, they missed out a few big characters that they could have put in, well, really. Yeah, well, there wasn't space for them. There was far too much content to get through already. No, wait, hang on. <laughs> mm. <laughs> anyway, when's the new season of Rings of Power? That's what I want to know. Oh, God, I haven't even watched that. Good question. Oh, it's a good one, that. Really? Yeah, I've yeah, heard so done. much. I've heard so much bad things about it that just um... watch it and don't listen to it. No, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it gives a it's shit good. what anyone else thinks. Yeah, it's Lenny Henry as a Hobbit. What more do you need to know? Really? Oh, I forgot he was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, he in really. it? Is he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Oh wow, he's good. He's he's good in it as well. Yeah, I haven't seen Lenny Henry in years on TV. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Sandrine's <laughs> chiming in with her. Two cents worth. M- MPC07 says, and don't forget this liner is in the top 1% of all liners out there. <laughs> we need a variant of that for some of the lines in this show that say that this one liner is in the top 1% of all one liners out there. What, this bin liner is in the top percent 1% of all bin liners out there? Was that. Are we back to your seven incher again? Let's see. <laughs> NPC 07, you know, if you have any suggestions for credits, we we are accepting suggestions for credits. Oh, it's in the chat. Yeah. Ah. So, so, and that's open to everyone. You can always email us at itookpart at huttonorbital.com with any suggestions you and might have part. for credits. And take part, yeah. Save us doing all the writing. And the reading. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You do the show so we don't have to. Exactly. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Well, um, who wants to shout out for the mug tonight? Don't want to brush it once. Yeah, I was going to say. If you want. Yeah, Flossie. <laughs> Are you ready, Flossie? I'm ready. For the mug. For that mug. Mug. Are you calling a mug? No journey too long and no cargo too small. The profit margins never really mattered at all. We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We're taking it.
margins never really mattered at all. We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We'll take anything, anytime, anywhere. So shout it out loud like you don't even care. For the bug, for the bug. Yeah, you know just where I'm coming from. For the bug, for the bug. Now everybody sing the hot and drunk a song. That's the end of the show. Everybody's buggered off now, so why don't you bugger off too? Seamless.